It's always a privilege and an honor to have the opportunity to share the Word of God with you. I do not take this lightly. This is what God has called me to do, and uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have this opportunity. Zoe and I uh, have been living in our house almost a year. June 13th will make a year. And on my way to the church, there's a, a little road. Some of you will be familiar with it. It's called Little Station Camp Road. It's a long, kind of windy country back road. You have trees and greenery and cows on your left. On your right, you have this long, beautiful, nice creek. You know, so it's just a relaxing drive. But, but there's two signs that say, say 25 miles per hour. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have time to spend 10 minutes going through this road looking at cows and creeks and stuff going 25 miles per hour. So I have a confession to make. I've broke the law a few times, once, twice, maybe 10. And uh, I, I've, I've sped down this road. And so one time in December, this was, this was last December, um, I was a little late getting to church. I was afraid I was going to get fired, so I was, I was kind of hustling. I was on this road, and I thought, surely there's no way there'd be a cop ever on this road, right? I mean, what cop would just sit there eating donuts, scanning people on this road, out of all roads? Lo and behold, there was a cop. He caught me going 38 in a 25. He gave me a ticket, and he sent me on my way. You would think... I would learn my lesson, Pastor Matt, right? Broke the law once, don't do it again. The next Saturday, I was going down the same road. I remember I was, I was listening to Tennessee. They were, they were beating Vanderbilt pretty bad, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, got it backwards. That's right. That's right. Yeah, sorry. I mean, it's been a while. But anyhow, I... I I was listening to Tennessee. I was getting excited. I think they were driving to school or, or something like that. And uh, here comes what looked like to be Starsky and Hutch on their, their bike on the left side. You know, they're on their bike. They got the visor and, and stuff. They, they look pretty professional. I hope I, is there cops in here? We don't have cops in here, do we? I hope not. <laughs> it, might, it might be a rough Sunday. <laughs> Respect you guys. But... Uh, so this guy on his bike, this cop on his bike, uh, uh, I passed him, and, and I looked down at my speedometer, and I was going close to 40. I thought, man, please don't pull me over. Please don't. Sure enough, he turned around, flashed his lights, pulled me over. And I'm thinking, I just got a ticket on the same road last week. If I get another ticket, two things are going to happen. One, I'm going to have to ask, ask the church for a love offering. And two... My wife's going to kick me out, so I'm going to need a place to stay, all right? That's what's going through my head, but by the grace of the Lord, all right? I don't know if this guy had capability to see my history or what, but he let me go. He just gave me a warning. He said, slow down. I don't mind if you do 30, but, you know, keep it within 25 to 30 miles per hour. And so the guy let me go. At that point, I had a proper fear of authority. Because now, every time I get on that road, guess what I'm doing? 25 miles per hour. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm keeping it on 25. I don't care if there's seven cars behind me. I'm going to enjoy the ride. I'm going 25 miles per hour. Because now, I have a proper fear 
of authority. Before I didn't. Now I do. This morning we're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. And growing up in Sunday school and and as I was go as I would go to Bible studies, there would be teachers and and they would read verses out of the Bible, kind of like Psalm 111 that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They would read these verses and then they would be quick to say, now, 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 hold on. Now, understand when it says fear of the Lord, it's not talking about being afraid or being scared. It's talking about having a, a respect, a reverence, an awe for God. And that made sense to me because as a little boy, the songs I'm learning in church is Jesus loves the little children, right? I mean, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. And so I have this picture of Jesus, you know, with the long feathery hair and the robe, and he's playing with sheep, and he's playing with kids and stuff. And that's the picture of Christ that I've grown up with, this loving, caring, compassionate, gracious God. And that's true. That's our God. From Scripture, that's our God. However, I think sometimes we neglect the other scriptural picture of our God. And so this morning, I want to look at a couple of passages with you. One in Daniel, the other in Revelation. And we're going to examine this fear of the Lord. We'll start in Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was a prophet of God. In the Old Testament, in chapter 10, verse 4, he says, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man, dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz. Apparently, Euphaz is a place, or was a place, and it had fine gold. This was around his waist. Verse 6, his body was like topaz. Some of you ladies might know kind of what topaz is. I had to look it up. All right, it's this nice um, crystal-type diamond, beautiful something, all right? It's, it's pretty, though, okay? It's glistens and stuff. I don't know. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Now, as we read on through this passage, we, we realize that the man whom Daniel is describing is Christ. It's Jesus in his glorified body. Not little baby Jesus. Baby Jesus hasn't come yet. This is Jesus Christ in his glorified self. Go, moving on. Next verse. Verse 7. I, Daniel, was the only person who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it because they were so frightened. They ran away and hid. So I was left alone watching this great vision. Notice what he says. I lost my strength. My face turned white like a dead person. And I was helpless. Now, does this sound like respect to you? Does this sound like mutual adoration I respect my pastor, not after the, the picture I showed of him, but most times I respect my pastor. I love my pastor. I call him pastor. He's my mentor. He's my leader. But do I fear him? 
Do I fall down on my face like a dead person? Am I helpless in front of his presence? No. But notice, this is Daniel's response to seeing Christ. Then I heard the man in the vision speaking. As I listened, I fell into a deep sleep with my face on the ground. Verse 10, then a hand touched me, set me on my hands and knees. I was so afraid that I was shaking. He was afraid, church. Daniel was scared. He wasn't just respecting Jesus. No, he was scared because he understands who it is he's looking at. The God of this universe who gave him the breath to breathe. Revelation chapter 1, John sees a similar vision. He says, I turned to see who was talking to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and someone among the lampstands who was like a son of man. That phrase, son of man, is a term that Jesus used to describe himself. So we know that it is Christ who John is seeing. He was dressed in a long robe and had a gold band around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like bronze that glows hot in a furnace, and his voice was like the noise of flooding water. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp double-edged sword came out of his mouth. He looked like the sun Shining at his brightest time. Just imagine, try to put yourself in the shoes of Daniel and John as they they try to pin and describe what they saw. Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to communicate to someone something you've seen? And you're just reaching, you're stretching, trying to come up with any phrase, any word, any analogy or metaphor to help communicate what it is you saw. That's what these two guys are experiencing right now as they pin this. They're just reaching, trying to trying to find some type of words to communicate to us who they are seeing. Verse 17, look at John's response. When I saw him, when I saw Christ, I fell down at his feet like a dead man. Like a dead man. The point is, church, these guys had an opportunity, a rare, rare opportunity to see Jesus in his glorified self. And when they saw him, they didn't give him a high five, a chest bump, and some dabs. They were scared. They were afraid. They were frightened to the very core. Scared to death. They feared who they saw. There's a fear there. And my concern is is that some of us, we've become so casual in the way we view God. We, we have this view of him like, yes, he's loving and he's merciful and he's that, 
that that Jesus who's playing with sheep and playing with kids and and just compassionate and you know I can live any way I want to live because God's going to forgive me right God's going to forgive my sin because that's who he is he's loving he's caring he's compassionate and so we live our lives as if God has no power we live as if he's not mighty he has no authority we don't bow down to his authority We don't treat him with a proper view that Daniel and John did. Could you imagine just five seconds, five seconds in the presence of God, just you and him? How would you respond? These guys understood. They understood that when they were in the presence of Jesus, just no one else, just them and Jesus Christ, they were so afraid. Why? Because they understood his holiness. He's so perfect. He's so set apart. He's so amazing. He's so distinct. And I'm I'm not. I'm a human. I'm sinful, I'm fragile, I've failed, I've messed up. And I'm in the presence of the Holy One. I don't deserve to live. It's like the picture we get in Isaiah chapter 6 when the prophet Isaiah has that unique opportunity to see the vision of God's throne. And he's describing that these four, these four creatures are around the throne and they never stop saying what? They never stop saying holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They never stop. Holy, holy, holy. He's so holy. He's so perfect. And what does Isaiah say? He says, man, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man because I'm a sinner. I'm sinful and I live amongst people who are sinners. Isaiah understood that he was in the presence of the creator of the universe. And we walk up in here Sunday in and Sunday out like God should be proud that we're in church. Like he should be excited that we've come to worship today. Listen, God doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need any of us. He exists completely and totally independent of us. You know what's amazing? He wants us. He wants us. And there's a huge difference between needing and wanting. And God wants us as his children. He wants to adopt us into his family. Man, isn't that amazing? That is amazing. But we, we sometimes are just so lazy and so casual in how we view him. We live our lives as if he just has no authority. You know what it's like? It's like gun shooting. You ever shot a gun before? Oh, come on now. This is Tennessee. I mean, I know there's got to be some people who shot some guns out here, all right? 
I took the liberty to give, give you an instructional video on how to shoot a 12 gauge. <laughs> what was that for? I mean, now listen, I'm from East Tennessee. If anything, if there's anything I know how to do, it's how to shoot a gun. So, I, I mean, I, I don't want to brag, don't want to be boastful, but this is a good video, okay? So what you need to do, if you've never shot a gun before, you need to get your notepad out, and you need to get your pen because you're going you're gonna to need to take some notes on this. You ready? Let's check it out. Yeah. It's ready, right? Yeah, it's, it's going. Hey, boys, you got to get this wide stance right here. Get this nice foundation, good base. Talk that right up against the shoulder right there. <laughs> yeah, baby. Right, right. Bring that up on your shoulder a little bit. clapping. I only got a few. What's, what's the deal? I don't understand. That's good stuff right there, okay? I know what's going through your head. Two things are going through your head. Number one, do I actually pay that guy to pastor my child? And number two, I wonder how much he charges for lessons. Now, don't lie, all right? Come talk to me after church. We'll hook you up, okay? I need some help. I need some help. Hey, Aaron. Aaron, can you help me, man? You're going, good job, buddy. You're strong. Give it up for Aaron. Look at that. Come on. I brought a few weapons this morning. Don't freak out. Okay. Just a few. All right. Just how about this right here? What do you think about that? Semi-automatic right there. Now, listen. If I pointed this at you, would you be scared? Yes. Come on now, y'all help me out. <laughs> I hope you wouldn't be scared. All right? Now, what? What are you still, you still scared? You scared? No. You, you better not be scared. Why? This is a toy gun. This can't harm you. This can't hurt you. But after watching me shoot a shotgun, if I brought a 12-gauge in here and I started pointing at you, Tell me you wouldn't be scared. You would be scared because you don't know where those bullets are going, all right? I don't know where they're going. Man, so often, church, I feel like we view God as we do toy guns. They can't harm us. They have no power. They're powerless. Instead, but if I brought that shotgun in here, there's a sense of fear that would come over you because you understand the power that that gun has. You understand that the bullets in that 12 gauge can take your life. The stakes are raised. Your view of those guns are different. And our view of God should also be different. Do you understand 
that the God that we came in here to worship this morning has the power to drop you right where you sit. He has that power. He has the power to take your eyesight right now if he wanted to. He has that power. He has the power to take your ability to walk, function, and work and live like you normally live in your everyday life. He has that power. This is God we're talking about. God, the one who's allowing you to breathe right now. The one who is allowing you to see right now. The one who has given you the gift of life. God. And we want to walk up in here like, like he should be proud that we're here. No, we should be excited and humbled to even have the opportunity to come in here and worship him. And give him praise. I bet if you took Miriam from Sudan and you placed her in the United States of America, you don't think she would appreciate the opportunity to come to a building in freedom and worship her God? I know she would. But as Americans, we just take it for granted. Man, we just take it for granted. And so God has sent me here this morning to remind you this God that we worship deserves your praise, your adoration, and you on your face and on your knees before him. Why? Because he's God. There's no one like him. There's nothing like God. The first, the last, beginning, the end, everything evolves Around him. And he wants. He wants. To have a relationship with us. As father. And children. Man that's amazing. I want to read on in chapter 10 of Daniel. After Daniel saw Christ. Verse 10. Says then a hand. Touched me. And set me on my hands and knees. I don't have this up there, Zach. I'm just going to read this from, from the Word. Then a hand touched me and set me on my hands and knees. I was so afraid that I was shaking. Verse 11. The man in the vision said to me, catch this. Catch this right here. Daniel, God loves you very much. Isn't that comforting? God loves you very much. Think carefully about the words I will speak to you and stand up because I have been sent to you. When he said this, I stood up, but I was still shaking. Daniel's still afraid. He's still trembling before Christ because he knows that this man, the God man, has the power to take his life. And rightfully so, because he is holy and Daniel is not. Verse 12, then the man said to me, Daniel, do not be afraid. Wow. Do not be afraid. The fear of the Lord, church, is the beginning of wisdom. But you have to get there. You have to get there. You have to understand that this... This is God who we're talking about. 
This God has the power to judge me guilty and send me forever and ever apart from him in eternal damnation. This is God we're talking about. This is not a toy gun. This is not some false God who has no authority. This is the one true living God. And I'm a sinner. And he is not. Do you remember? Do you remember the first time that you realized that you have sinned against a holy God? And that you deserve punishment. You deserve the wrath and anger of God towards sin. You remember when you realized that? And just this sense of overwhelming, oh man, I've, I've sinned against God. I've failed God. I don't even deserve life. And on your knees, face down to the ground, you cry out to him. You say, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I've failed you. I've sinned against you. That's the response, church, that our God deserves and demands. It's this healthy fear of him. You want to be healed? You want restoration in your life? You want to be made whole? You want to kick these addictions and these sinful patterns in your life? If you want that, it starts with fear. It begins with fear. It begins with understanding that right now you don't even know how many days you have on this earth left. This could be my last sermon to you. This could be the last day you ever walk up out of this church. This could be it. What's your response to God? How do you view Him in light of that truth? When you fear the Lord and you come to that place and you understand how mighty and how great He is, you know what's amazing about our God? He comes to us. He puts his right hand on our shoulders. And you know what he says? Do not be afraid. Man, are you kidding me? This God who has every right to excommunicate us from this earth because of what we've done against him. That God comes to us, puts his hand on our shoulders and says, do not be afraid. Now you have life. Now you have hope. Now you have joy. I'm going to place my spirit within you and no one, no one can touch you. Because if I am for you, no one can be against you. I am your God. Man, come on, church. God is on your side. He wants to be on your side. He wants to fight with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to save your life. That's why he had his son strung out on a tree for your sins. That's why he had his son to take the punishment, the beating, and the blame for your sins and my sins. Because he wants you. He wants you. He wants to adopt you into his family.
and to give you everything that he has as children. That's beautiful. There's nothing in this world that compares to that type of love. I want you to experience that love. I want every single one of you in this room to experience the type of love that a heavenly father has for his children. Some of you have never experienced that, especially from an earthly dad. You've never heard your earthly father look at you and say, son, daughter, I love you. But today, you have a heavenly father who's looking at you and saying, son, daughter, I love you. But remember where it begins, church. Where does it begin? Fear. Fear of the Lord. Let me close with this. Can you put that last last picture up there for me, Zach? Oh man, look at that. Don't look at the girl. Look at the boy, okay? Look at the girl. <clears throat> look at the boy. That's Kirsten. That's one of our students. Easton, that's my son right there. Two years old. You'll see him running around through the church lobby here. I'm trying to get Pastor Aaron to put a greeter's badge on him and just let him be a greeter. Uh, but, uh, I, I mean, look at that face. Do you, do you think that boy has to be disciplined at home? I mean, look at that face. How in the world could anyone have to discipline that kid right there, right? Well, come home with me, Okay. Spend about two weeks. Amen. Amen, Zoe. Come on. Get with me, Zoe. For Zoe and I, it never was a question of if we're going to discipline Easton. It's how are we going to discipline him. There's two ways to discipline a child. You can discipline a child out of love, and you can discipline a child out of anger. And sadly, I've experienced both. And I can tell you that disciplining a child out of love is the only way. That's the only way. Because that's God's way. The Bible tells us that God disciplines those whom he loves. And what's funny about discipline is that when Easton is doing something he knows he shouldn't be doing. And I have to warn him, Easton... Please don't hit your seven-month-old brother in the face. Please don't do that. He knows what he's doing is wrong, but he chooses to do it again. And at that point, I pick my son up, I take him to the bathroom, and I close the door. And then Easton begins to cry. I don't have to inflict any physical discipline on my son. He knows what's coming because it's been done before. And he begins to cry. He says, no, daddy. No, daddy. No spank. No spank. Why? Because he knows. He has a healthy fear of his dad. Because when I discipline Easton, I try to explain to him why I'm doing what I'm doing. I try to explain to my two-year-old son what it is that daddy does not want him to do. And as a result, at the end, I give him a big old hug. I say, son, I love you. So he knows, Easton knows that daddy loves him. 
He knows that. He has a healthy fear of his dad because dad loves him. And that is the relationship that God wants with us as his children. We should have a healthy fear of the Lord, church. Because when we do, it drives us to obedience. Look at Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. This is right after the children of Israel received the Ten Commandments. Verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They're afraid. They're scared. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. That's fear. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Man, isn't that amazing? You see that theme all throughout scripture. It starts with fear and it ends with not being afraid. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Listen, church, this is why we fear God. We fear God because it's going to drive us from cheating on our spouses. When we fear the Lord, when we have a proper fear of God, it's going to drive us from talking to other people behind our husband's back. It's going to drive us from loading up our children's schedule so much that they have no time to develop a relationship with God. When we have a proper fear of the Lord, we'll think twice before we tip the bottle up until we can't see straight. When we have a proper fear of God, We'll think about what we're looking at on the TV screen. And before we even do it, we won't. When we fear God, it'll make us think about the consequences that will come as a result of our sinful actions. Why? Because we fear daddy. We fear discipline and punishment. You know what the problem in this country is, though? A lot of children over the years have grown up with no discipline. Partly because they don't have a, a father at home to discipline them. Or a mother to discipline them. And it's the grandparents and it's the, it's the aunts and the uncles who are doing the discipline. And a lot of these children, they grow up with no direction, no rearing, no steering towards God. And so a message about fearing God has no place in their head and no place in their heart because they've never had to fear anyone. They've never had to face consequence to anything. All their life they've grown up and they did what they wanted to do and there was no consequence. And so now as a result, church, in our country we have a lot of adults walking around still acting like children still living their lives as if there's no consequence. As if there's no one to answer to when their life is over. Let me just remind you. One day, you and I are going to have that opportunity that Daniel and John had. And we're going to come face to face with our Creator. 
And we won't be able to run. We won't be able to hide. It'll just be us and him. And nowhere to go. Are you ready? Are you ready? It starts with fear. It ends with not being afraid. But you have to start with fear. Amen. Let me pray for you guys. Father, God, man, we, we don't even deserve, God, we don't even deserve this opportunity. But we just humble ourselves before you, Jesus. We humble ourselves. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for taking our punishment on your back. We worship you, Jesus. God, we just thank you, Father. I just pray for every single individual in this room, both child and adult, Father. Speak to the hearts of your people, God. Take this message. Take the word that you have spoken, Father, and hide it deep in their heart, Father. God, may they think about it. May they meditate on it, Father. May, may this word convict them to change, Father God. Lord, help us as your people grow closer and closer to you. Because as we grow closer to you, there's no fear in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.